We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we create, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalung Nation. We respect and acknowledge the elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. This is Impact Zone, stories from the floods. This is a space for survivors, first responders and community members to share their untold stories from the floods of 2022 and share ideas about the rebuilding of a community in the wake of a disaster. Some names and details have been omitted due to privacy or the need to protect sensitive information. We acknowledge that story is at times subject to emotion, and whilst facts are important, this space is exclusively for remembering the stories that defined a community in crisis, as told by the people of the Northern Rivers. Before we begin, please be advised that we are placing a heavy trigger warning for this episode due to the instances of death that are recounted and discussed. If you do need support at this time, please text 04888-487-82. Alternatively, you can call the Lifeline Helpline on 13114. In this conversation, we speak to locals Lockie and Eden as they join civilian teams in the land and on the water in the Northern Rivers. We listen to these grisly scenes with the understanding that they only mark the beginning of a recovery, led solely by the sentiment of, if not us, then who? Okay, so I've got uh, Lockie and Eden here who have been doing some frontline stuff um, up in the more regional and cut-off areas of the Northern Rivers. Guys, do you want to kind of run people through how you ended up being there and I guess give us a bit of a, a scene setting with what you faced when you got there? All right, my first day going out of town was picked Eden up and... We rallied out to uh, Yukai, actually. That was the first. We went to Birrell Creek because we knew that there was a community out there that needed supplies. There had been a landslide and they were totally cut off. How did you guys get that info about where they were and what made you feel compelled to actually go out? Like, Was it because you had the, the resources to do that or the training to do that? Like, What was your... I guess to just maybe backtrack a touch... All the info and all the intel we basically got this whole time was just through friends working on the ground in the Mullum Civic Centre. Kind yeah. of, they were orchestrating this whole thing. Literally, every, all the info. I know people like do degrees basically in like disaster management and stuff. Like these are friends that have no training that somehow just took the reins and did the most incredible job. Um, so we basically just got a text, you know, saying, "Hey, if you guys are heading out, this community probably is stuck. We're hearing that there's been a landslide." They're totally isolated. Take some food, take fuel, take supplies, first aid, get out there, yeah. do what you can. We're lucky enough to have like the correct vehicles as well, which is also you kind of take that as a bit of responsibility because the last thing that people need is... More know, people pe- getting in trouble. People getting bogged or you know getting stuck when they're trying to help. So, And it's yeah. not like we have any specific skill set 
or training. It was more uh, we're fit, strong and able and happy to get our feet dirty. And when you got there, like how far up the road to Yukai, for people who don't know where Yukai is, um, can you kind of give a bit of a description of what the access to a place like that is and then how that could have or was compromised by the movement of land slash water? Yeah, sure. So that getting towards Yukai was relatively simple, just up the highway, um, you know, and heading inland um, towards the base of Mount Warning. Um, that zone of hinterland is absolutely incredible. It's really special, um, quite sacred. Getting in there, we basically turned in, uh, instead of turning into the township of Yukai, we took a right up towards Mount Warning, Birrell Creek. Um, we, the first stop we actually went through was Mount Warning Road. Um, there was an excavator there moving supplies across. There was... Well, the road the road out to there was... It had just been cleared. Right. But, you, like, we were driving through gnarly landslides. landslides that had been cleaned up. Like, huge... Things like you kind of almost became hundreds of meters of road at a time that had been cleared. And who d- who was clearing it? I don't know. There was just big tippers. There was just tippers. Whether that was council or independently, who, like who knows? At that point, it probably didn't matter, right? It's no. Just whoever had. Yeah, yeah. I think it could have been, honestly. It could have been a combo of both. So we got to Mount Warning Road. There was a massive excavator. Um, someone had basically set up a bamboo bridge across. Um, there was a whole span of the, I guess, causeway crossing road, which is a two-lane road and a massive concrete slab that's probably a f- five-metre span across and whatever two lanes of highway kind of looks like. It yeah. had basically been totally dislodged by the water and was thrown further up the creek. Gone. Uh, we're walking the, the – cr- I call it a creek – is probably two and a half, three metres below where we are at this point. And you can mm, look – Sunken. Well, yeah, like the water level. Yeah. Looking up, you were probably five metres, six metres above our heads was where you could see debris from the water had been probably, what, a couple of days earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. When so was you're that? talking that like was, triple overhead. That would have been th- uh, Wednesday or Thursday. We were I can't remember the days. Yeah, the days have all blurred now. But How many yeah. days have you guys, or have you guys, yeah, been out there for? Oh, we, we got into it. Day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Literally, it was as soon night. as it was possible to get places, we were out there. I was helping in South Golden the moment that it was physically possible to be there because one of our good mates got pretty done up there and it just kind of, once you, once it starts, you can't stop. This yeah. is the first day that we haven't been out at, you know, first thing in the morning. We've been coming home at 10.30 at night, every night. Yeah, that night we came, we had one night we ended up, Actually, it was that same day. The same day we we're up Birrell Creek. Do you want to talk about what happened up there? Or do you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we got to Birrell Creek. <coughs> we were greeted on the other side of the bridge that we were just talking the about. The bamboo bridge. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's actually a massive concrete, like you know, bridge. But yeah, temporarily set up. We were greeted by one of the people that's isolated over there in his ute, and we loaded, like. I think there was 12 of us, 15 of us, into the one one car. <laughs> There's pe- literally people on the roof of the car. Um, and met another car down there with supplies. We got to as far as we could get before there was a landslide. Um, some of the crew were a bit eager to go over the landslide. And, like, it was dodgy. There was huge logs. 
like the weirdest trees you can imagine that are just covered in thorns and it was just a nightmare. It was a logistical nightmare and we had so many supplies to carry over. So these the local lads were like, look, you can go through a property. They're not going to care right now. You're helping us out. So we went over the hill and like dropped supplies off. Um, just as we were leaving, uh, one of the boys had to take piss <laughs> and just literally like goes, what? You know, can I swear? Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, you can. I just don't like, yeah, he's just like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and we all looked over and there was a, you know, a body of an old dude like just flailing about in the creek, um, half hanging out. Like it, his body was hanging onto a, like the root. It looked like he'd been there for like two days. He's pretty blown out. We then had someone with a two-way radio with us who two-wayed crew that were back where there was phone reception. And they managed to get onto SES and the police. Between then, we took the supplies over the hill to the commune that were waiting for us on the other side. There was families, everything, um, waiting for us there. They were amazing. They were so stoked to see us. Everything was, you know, it was really... That was the first day that I'd seen, like, wow, okay, this is pretty gnarly how, how isolated people actually are. And we got back over, like, the police came. There was a big group of police, but they assessed the situation to be a bit too risky to go and retrieve the body from the side of the creek that we were on. I don't really want to say too much about, like, what happened um, in regards to that. But we kind of – or we we were instructed that essentially we couldn't get in the creek and help. Right. Even though there was a few of us that were like, you know, we're comfortable with water. We can – we know that that's – within our limitations we're advised that there was no way that we were going to do that which is i guess you know risk management but when you when you see that and you're confronted you you start really running on like i just want to help you know um and that and then you know there was a positive light to that you know we left feeling you know pretty defeated a lot of us were in shock quite in shock to be honest but we we left knowing that you know, we'd done a good deed, which was, that's the, you know, the important bit at the end of the day, is that's why we're doing it. We're just trying to help. And that family that you reached on the other side of that hill with supplies, like, how long had those people been there and had anyone contacted them? What was the level of, um, I guess, knowledge about if there was rescue or anything coming from them? Did they know any of that or was that? Pretty much everywhere we went, even up until yesterday, which is day seven, Day six, day seven. Day seven day since seven. people really yeah. started getting flooded we in, were, yeah. We were still seeing people yesterday that we were the first people they'd seen. Yeah. They'd had no contact with the outside world. They'd heard no contact from emergency services. Nothing. No, there was people that, like, we were running into that, like, could we get some, you know, have you got fuel? We yeah, we don't have, or do you have a generator? We don't even have power. We have no, we're getting food to people, pe- getting them access to medicine they've been out without the whole time. So from that point, like what maybe it was like day two or something, I guess day three, we were up in Beryl Creek yeah. till yesterday. No one had seen anyone. It was, I think that was one thing that just the whole time through was quite baffling. But I guess we kind of got more comfortable with it as it went on. Yeah. We were reaching people that were like, everyone was just like blown away. They're like, what are you doing here? And the other thing that kept coming up was, what group are you with? 
Yeah, what you with? What, who's your organ? What's your organization called? And what did? What was the response? Pretty comedic. We kind of laugh and it's like, no, nah, we're just a bunch yeah. of dudes from Lennox Head and Byron yeah. and like all the Gold Coast. <laughs> and they're like, so how'd you get here? And we're like, we just, we just came. <laughs> we don't know either. Yeah. We kind of don't. Like, it, what are you doing? Why it was kind of this? It's laughable in a way. Like, yet, yes, our day yesterday was really quite serendipitous. Like, we just ended up um, in the Shannon. Um, hearing that this ho- there'd been communities up there that had been totally cut off and isolated. Same deal, landslides, what were once very small trickling creeks have turned into raging rivers. Well, yeah, waist height, strong rapids. Um, yeah. And we got up there and there was a bunch of guys from like the Gold Coast that had got tagged from, they'd seen an Instagram post or someone else had shared that someone else had tagged someone in and like all of a sudden a whole professional rigging crews come down, like yeah. geared up and like, somehow just rendezvoused with us at the community hall at the exact moment that we got there and it just worked. Yeah, it just so happens to turn out that what we needed to do in that area, we had the most insane group of professionals in that field by coincidence. Like these guys were in New Zealand in Christchurch after the earthquakes doing rigging and setting up lines and they just happened to show up at the exact time (laughs) we were there. And like now we're rigging up flying foxes (laughs) to get access to communities that haven't seen people in five days, six days, so they can get, you know, there was a man up in this community that's like got cancer and needs medication and there's no access. They have no phones, they've got no power, they've got no communication. There's still no communication in so many of these areas. Mm. Even for them to go, like the town is looking up, like the town out there was looking after the people, like the Shannon was so well organized. The ladies there were incredible, like with their range of knowledge and how they've they literally mapped out the whole town on butcher's paper and yeah. post-it notes and post-it notes with the people who they've talked to on their streets. Like it was, it was insane to see the, like that's a massive area. Yeah, and they had it pretty well covered. We they sent us out and said, "Can you guys go to this part, Lawler Street? It's, it's or Lawler's Road. Lawler's Road. Sorry." Um, it's the, probably the more damaged area and that's where we went. Yeah. And like... I don't know if there'd be access there today though. Like there was parts of the road there that were seriously undercut. Oh, Massive yeah. cracks. Like it was very... It seemed sketchy driving on it and, and right. with all it that was. rain coming in last night, it was also kind of... I think in a way we were very renegade. Like we weren't being, I think, frivolous with our lives, but... We weren't probably as... We uh, we would have been <laughs> told not to do it if we... Especially going to those areas with the rain, yeah. the weather forecast yesterday, like the chance of flash flooding is huge. Yeah, well, that, that warning went out yesterday, like in the late afternoon, being yeah, like, get I, everyone the fuck out of everywhere. We, like everyone needs to leave. We came out and like got into reception and we both were in the car together and had the same response. All of a sudden our phone's just blowing. I got like... 80 text messages and everyone like the people that knew where we were were seriously concerned mm. and then like texts from my mum going like where the fuck are you please call me people were generally worried and yeah. like because and that's us like we we get out we get communication people are in those zones there is no communication yeah that's it that's a crazy thing to fathom I like it's the, been it was a big day and we yeah you get out and you've got that you can't imagine six days you know, especially you know, you days. guys aren't—you're not trained for this. What you've encountered is 
traumatic by any scope of anything. Yeah. And you're just first responders. You're not even the people that no, have lived like, through it, yeah. you know. There was a lot it's of wild. things I think we talked about every afternoon. We'd be in the car coming home or like late at night going, fuck, maybe that was kind of dumb. It would have been cool <laughs> if we had two-way radios or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, later the, after you, Kai, we regrouped in Mullum and we were get, four in the afternoon. We were defeated. Something. We were pretty defeated and we were like, like, what are we doing? You know, what's going on? And the coordinators at Mullum were like stressed. They're like, oh, we kind of really need people in main arm. And we just like assembled a crew again. We came in pretty hot and heavy. We were pretty – we'd also been through a bunch of other communities. We tried to get into the Shannon after we left that whole zone in Yukai. We'd also did a couple other community checks into Dune Dune mm. um, and some other zones. We rallied to Nimbin. These guys headed back towards Mullum. Me and another friend continued on. We got to Nimbin and then tried to get into the Shannon going that way. We spoke to some RFS in Nimbin. Is there access to the Shannon? No one can tell you. No one knows. We got halfway there, the road's blocked off by a massive landslide. So then we've had to rally back around and come the whole way back out. We got to Mullum. Same thing, feeling pretty defeated. And then it was like, by this time it's like 4, 4.30. And it was like, we need you guys to go to Maynard. No one's been up there. Yeah. So we rallied to Maynard. Um, we loaded up with a bunch of gear and we kind of punched out pretty quick. We got there. Uh, we had an ATV vehicle with us. We loaded off. We punch through a few properties where there's cars strewn on top of each other like, just crumbled like, like you know when you twist a can an empty can yeah imagine a car looking like that and like like it was, it's two of them unreal. wrapped around each other in a way that like cars screwed. don't look like they should be like corkscrewed around each other like yeah. the force of that water would have been like unfathomable so we got up there there's massive pieces of road missing it's totally un- inaccessible even like on a, you know, ATV vehicle. Um, it's a ro- like a, almost a rock climber. I've done yeah. um, a bit of trail running and kind of gone up through there up to the top of the turnoff that then you get to like into Jerusalem National Park and then there is actually that cut through that goes back towards Yukai. Um, I kind of just took it upon myself to just, I, had, I took a headlamp um, and a space blanket and just was like, fuck it, I'll run. So t- in some steel cap work boots. Drenched <laughs> steel cap work boots. Let's make that note too. Uh, just decided I'd they weigh like up. five kilos, dude. <laughs> Andrew, you're not going to the gym for a while. My you're toes sweet. are so fucked right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing closed toes, Birkenstocks, because if anyone sees those things, it's over for me. <laughs> like, they've turned into uh, talons, eh? <laughs> but yeah, basically just like got across, checked a few communities from like Mott's Road mm-hmm. and stuff. There was people coming down from there that kind of said, hey, like we're all okay. Yeah. So that was good. And I said, has anyone been further? You get to Dry Creek and then there's a lot of kind of houses further up the road. No one knew. So I kind of was like, fuck it, let's go. And just, you know, I used to do that shit for fun. So just try to make it fun. Mm. But the scene was pretty unbelievable. Like where there was road was just, there's nothing. It's a, it's a river now. And you're just kind of having to navigate that and fucking crawling over landslides and up muddy cliff sides to kind of get back to where the road was. 
none of the time I was really thinking about like, oh, fuck, there might be another landslide. This is kind of sketchy. Yeah, like what if you get lost and no one knows where you are? Well, that was the thing. Like I bumped into the people coming out of Mott's Road. <laughs> All of these questions and more, yeah. Yeah, kind of think about it fully <laughs> after the fact. You know what's crazy? None of us thought about it. We're oh, like, no. I did Eden's one. got it covered. Like, it'll be sweet. <laughs> Go, Eden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, the fittest out of us all to run up that 8K hill or however far it is. So 8K. It's a fair few yeah, kilometres. It's, it's, it's not a short walk um, and it's pretty heavily graded. But we bumped into the people coming out of Mott's and I just said, I'm like, hey, if you run into a guy called Jack on an ATV, tell him I'll be back in a couple of hours. Oh, my God. And that was kind of it. <laughs> I just went. And, but I ran. I kind of just went. This scene is just getting crazier. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's as crazy as you're yeah, imagining. And like Jack it, and on the ATV somewhere. Yeah. Oh, and like while and then, was So gone, they're yeah. like, those guys had all kind of loaded up and were starting to get supplies across the creek because we bought a bunch of food out. So they're, do, I guess while they were doing that, I'm up there and I started just going house to house, you know, going up driveways and just trying to see who was there, getting access, getting some information, got some contacts with people that were like, hey, like this is the medicine we need. I've kind of been going house to house, organizing a list how can we get that to you? We have no communication. They've got no communications. So we're like, look, write, a, write it on a list, put it under a rock, under that like food stand. We'll send someone up here tomorrow to get the list. Yeah. We'll get you your medicine. Just to give people an idea, what was the response of people generally when you were seeing them for the first time? They haven't seen anyone. Most people were really chill. Not to downplay it, but a lot of people living in those communities are very resilient. Mm. And also like they're used to being alone and they kind of, I think some of them want to be alone. Yeah. Um, but there is also this element where, like, they knew they were very isolated and that road is not going to be rebuilt for, I don't know, how long did it take? Did, have they given an estimate on that? Oh, well, okay, how long did I it take when that road... damage yet. When the road yeah. slipped, was that, there was that little landslide near the pass and it took four years or something or whatever. How long did it take for the council to rebuild that road? I wasn't counting. That's That's in a holiday like the most hotspot. expensive, like, yeah. suburb in Byron Bay. So how long is it going to take for a road in the mo- one of the most rural remote areas in our shire yeah i it's it'll be it, it that's going to be a mammoth undertaking the mm. only access now will be like a dirt kind of barely you could barely call it a road that goes back towards yukai yeah um i ran into a couple of guys on enduro bikes with a chainsaw and they were starting to cut a path out but they were pretty worried because they could hear slipping and landslides and like they said there was some like they could hear it happening and they're like getting worried about being out there because it's pretty unstable, obviously, at the best of times at the moment right now. Everything's wet and giving out. So they were worried about that and they were coming back out. So mm. we got out of there and we got home at about 11 o'clock that well, while Eden, <laughs> While Eden was up there, we had a group of maybe eight guys and I really want to mention that we had these Italian guys with us. And those those boys were absolute machines. To get the ATV that we had through the creek water, we had to essentially <laughs> take like big rocks, borderlining on little boulders, <laughs> yep, and throw them into the creek and built like a causeway across the creek out of rocks. Oh my god! So that Jack could get the ATV through, and then the Italian guy, one of the Italian guys, had an idea to try and dam the creek up the top with rocks. To stop the water in case he got washed through, and like that's you know that's the level of like winging it that we're on. We're like, let's just give it a crack, and it and when those things work, like so unorthodox, 
they're the little wins that you just like. All right, we're on here, you know. <laughs> Okay. We're good. We're good. We can we're get that way. Something. We might not be able to get back. So it's yeah, sweet. so that's what gets that's what gets funny, right? We get back. Everything's Eden's like we did the food drops, all that. So a lot of crew started heading back, and it was getting dark. And I'm like, all right, me and Frankie. He was with us, so entertaining. He he was like the biggest emotional support through that day because he was in my car all day. Like especially after Yukai, he was just keeping everything you know afloat. Mm. But we couldn't get the ATV back. <laughs> Where is the ATV now? No, we got it back oh, in the did. end, but it took like an hour and a half to get it out because we were just getting jammed on rocks and stuff. Right. Trying to cross a river in the dark with like $2 headlamps on. But this couple, like when, when we got the ATV out, just comes from out the bushes and goes, well, that was entertaining. And I'm like, wait, you watched that? And I'm like, yeah, we filmed it. Like, you could have helped, dude. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who's a school teacher in Ballina. Um, yeah. He'd been at home for a couple of days. He didn't have any fuel. He was feeling helpless. He's like, I don't have any fuel. I can't get anywhere. We're obviously, we've run out of fuel. That's when all of the, the petrol stations in... Well, there was no fuel. There was no food in any of the supermarkets. So he rang me and he said, hey, if you're heading out, I want to come. I want to help. And so he'd come out. And his words to me that morning was, I just want to get my hands dirty and help however I can. We were riding home that night, you know, after he's seen, like, a body and it's, like, 11 o'clock and we're just disgusting, like, wet, stinky, stinky and man. gross. And he was just like, that's one of the hardest days I've had in my life. But I guess that's what I asked for. Yeah. Mm. And then it was like, you get home. I was like, we're all so wrecked. And I was like, fuck, all right, like, let's, I just need to get some sleep. I didn't get to sleep to probably, like, 3 a.m. Mm. I think I was up at like 5.30. I text Lockie at 6. What are we doing today, bro? <laughs> yeah, just straight away. What are we doing? been on it. Where are we going? The following day, we uh, there's some girls and friends of ours from up. They live in Sydney. Um, they've got a fashion label of their own. They've kind of been basing themselves a little more in this community. Um, and I think in the greatest way, like, all right, like we want to be a part of this community. We need to help. Um, rang me and they're like, we're going to go organize like 50 hot meals and they went and spent a couple thousand dollars at a supermarket after it had finally got stocked. Um, we also went by the Anglican Church Food Bank in Ballina, yeah. stocked up with a bunch of supplies. A friend drove down from the Gold Coast with a jet ski. We basically figured we are going to try to get to Karakai, Broadwater. Um, Woodburn. Down into that whole zone that's been totally isolated. We were hearing and kind of just through our channels that like that was really gnarly down there and there's people stuck and they need help. No one had really got through. There's no road access. They're totally isolated. So we took a jet ski down there, um, basically kind of through the coconut wireless herd that we could probably launch off the beer garden at the pub at Wardell. <laughs> like it from out in the beer garden. So we got down there. There was a guy with a boat there just like sinking. Shout out to Barnsley. Barnsley. <laughs> and he was like, if you think you can get in and you can help me get in, I'll come. And so he's got like a five and a half, six meter fishing boat. So we're like, all right, yep, let's go. So straight up, just girls pulled up with their car. We started unloading all their gear. We just filled up this guy's boat with as much stuff as we could get. He had a bunch of jerry cans with fuel for generators and stuff. We had everything from like toiletries, women's sanitary supplies, toothbrushes, fresh fruit, hot meals that these girls had donated and supplied. Everything packed into buckets. So, like, you could basically take a bucket, that's for one household, done. And we could just do that. So we got that out as soon as we we were doing that. Another guy's like, I got a tinny. Can we just note that it, it wasn't just a small tinny either? Like, 
the, we figured out that the river was flowing at like ten and a half knots. For anyone that doesn't know that's what that fast. means, that's fast. You could not. You 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 won't be able to swim against that in ever. Any, yeah. Right. That's moving incredibly fast. Very fast. Yeah. Um. So anyway, we got we launched the jet ski. We launched the boat. We basically used the boat in the middle of the river as like a mothership, and the jet ski could just run in do checks on every property, kind of especially on the western side of the river there, around Broadwater and Wardell. There's just places totally isolated. We did got through there, just the just kind of the one thing that kept, was just like kind of hard to wrap your head around was just the stink from all the dead cattle. Just constant stream of dead cows floating past you. We ended up going the whole way up to West Korokai. Um, that community had just started to get road access that morning, so they were actually really good. So we circled back and coming back down through that way uh, to Bunga Walburn was kind of one of the worst hit areas. Mm -hmm. Really remote, totally cut off. Like we were coming across farmers on like a little island. Would have been a dirt We went up the highway in the boat. A friend had tin snips. We cut fence wires, got a boat across. We ran into another friend who's a surfer from up the Gold Coast. He had like, he was doing mercy missions with hay, like dropping hay. There was a guy we found on like, a little island maybe 30 metres long, five metres wide with like 40 cattle and a rusted out caravan. He was just there. That was just, yeah, that was his little refuge island kind of thing. So we dropped but food and supplies. And normally you wouldn't get much of an emotional response out of these blokes. They're tough as nails and the, you could see that they were pretty scared. It's pretty confronting, really. The, the, when mm. we Around that area at least there was choppers running, all private choppers. I didn't see any police choppers or army choppers or anything, but running in livestock supplies and food. One thing that was kind of interesting in most places was like people were more worried about their animals than themselves. Wow. Do you think that's a shock response or...? A <laughs> I think that just shows like that, like where they, their care is. They care more about keeping their... They were happy to go yeah. without food so the animals had food. Yeah, it's pretty eye-opening. When you guys leave a section like that, you know, is there a team that you're handing that kind of information over to? What yeah, does so that, how does that work? We had our friends Chai, um, Sof, Russ, um, Alex up at Mullum Civic that we were unofficially, I guess they were kind of tooled up and running that centre officially, unofficially. No one's getting paid, we're just doing it. We'd pass that information back to them every day. We ended up getting a nurse and a doctor on our boat. Yeah. So we got a nurse and a doctor up into Korokai. Um, there'd been a there has been a lady who'd given birth. There'd been a man who'd had a heart attack. There was two medics in that town that had been on basically the go for five days straight. Wow. So we were able to get the doctors up there. Yeah. They were there for two hours. I came back and I spoke to one of the nurses from up in Lismore Hospital. She'd heard that I'd got some of her staff into that area. I gave her a briefing and a report. Um, she ended up with that information and was then able to get down there with some of the heads in the emergency department from Lismore the next day in a helicopter. I think after feeling a little deflated the day before, like yeah. that felt really like we'd made a pretty good impact that day. Yeah, the trip back was a little more jovial. The other thing that kind of like kept striking me a little bit in this weird way was like, like none of us have any qualification or really any business doing any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I paint houses for a living. Yeah, what do you do for a living? I make surfboards. I don't know. I just, I seen a thing on the news a couple, maybe like a week ago when all this Ukraine shit started popping off and it was a guy just saying, if not us, who? Mm. And I kind of like, I'm not comparing this to anything like that because I don't even want to go there. It just was like this weird thing of like, 
if, if we're not the guys going up there and doing it and it was all private citizens like guys on jet skis I know from the Gold Coast running hay doing mercy missions like mm-hmm. but like if it's not private citizens doing this who the fuck's gonna do it yeah I, don't, I got no business like getting doctors into remote communities if you mm-hmm. had if you had like told me that you'd be able <laughs> you'd be able to see some dude flying down like the river with like in a pretty small tinny with like five massive bales of hay in the in the tinny I'd tell you, you're dreaming, eh? Like, <laughs> it looked pretty fucking Guys wild. on jet skis with, like, surf rescue sleds with, like, eight bales of hay lashed to the sled. Up the top, you know, like, it was, it was fucking impressive. Oh, my God. Seeing cattle on someone's back porch on their second level. They've, like, somehow walked them, got them in and walked them up the house and they're, like, on the back deck with, like, a bundle of hay and just, like, there. Yeah. The bridge, the bridge to Woodburn was, like, something out of, like, a zombie apocalypse movie. The, the bridge is literally just covered in, pe- like, pretty smart people to leave their cars up there. Yeah. So it's just abandoned cars across the whole bridge. Is that the bridge where there was livestock too? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah. there's cars and cows and horses on the bridge. It's, like, it's yeah, it's just not something you really see every day. Like, whenever I see that bridge from now on, I'm going to th- gonna think of that, that image, you know, when I'm driving over it next time, just being like, I've seen fucking horses and cows on this bridge just chilling, you know. Were there many other boats around? Like, obviously, there was yeah. a tinny and you guys. Yeah, and we ran into another crew from Byron that had basically commandeered one of the dive boats. A lot of locals from here. And they were... The other thing, too, I think it's worth noting is, like, the cost of running cars around the whole area for days, the cost of running big boats for eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's putting their hand in their pocket. Hundreds Just of handing leaders. out cash to each other. Like handing fuel to each other. Barnsey, the dude that was like driving the boat that I was on, he brought 600 litres of petrol. How much is that? Well, it's $2 a litre. It's a lot of fucking money. Just to give out to people. For one day. For Just one to day. give out to people. That's not the petrol that he had for the boat. That was, he, to, give that was away. to give away. With the rate the water is moving down the river, they were just chewing through fuel. Also, our boats are loaded up with supplies, so we're moving kind of slow. Yeah. Yeah. He had to. So yeah, that allowed us to then get fuel to guys so they could stay in the river longer. If he if he wasn't there, they would have done four hours and be out. Like that doubles their access. Like we've never seen anything like this in our community, and I hope we never do again. But the one thing that was incredible to see was that how strong this community is, and how resilient we are, and how resourceful everyone was. Like in Woodburn, the guy that was on the boat had some beers going. One of the old like crew at Woodburn, he goes, "Mate, do you want a beer?" Like, do you just want never seen beer? someone's smile the so much. The light up on this guy's face. Like, he's been at home with a, his dog that's barking, he, like, kids and the missus for six days trapped in a house. He was up to, like, his chest in water in his yeah. front yard, you know. They're not going anywhere. To get offered an ice-cold beer. I like didn't that, get that it till last week. I didn't like understand that, what that feeling yeah. was. <laughs> when you see someone after like what they've just been through, like the worst, oh, plus the worst, like the worst experience you've lost they've ever had in their life. And, and yeah. then someone's just like showing up with some hot food, a bunch of extra supplies, some fuel for his generator. And a and cold, a cold beer. beer. You've just <laughs> never seen someone so happy. And the, and the old guy yesterday too that was out at the commune, that was the same. We're like, you need this. No, 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 no. You need this. No, 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 no. Like jokingly sings out. He's you like, know, if you yeah. got a beer. We're yeah. like, you got a beer? Yeah. And we're like, yeah. And he's like, bullshit. 
bullshit. <laughs> 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 like, no, we got a beer boy. He's like, you fucking legend. Uh, the boys yeah, like yeah. waded across the river in chest deep water to hand him like the one beer that we actually had. Oh, man. <laughs> he cracked it pretty much like as soon as it hit his hand. Yeah. Not, he was not saving that one for later. <laughs> now that we kind of are starting to come out of that emergency response space and more so into like, okay, what is the recovery strategy now? Is that something that you guys spoke about at all whilst you were out there? Like what do people need? Where do you see this kind of needing to go in the next month, well, well, two months? When we're in the car between going to joints, that's what we were almost, constantly talking about. All we were talking about. That was the serious side, you know. There's going to be so many massive issues that I don't, there's not easy answers to. Living in this community, I think I've had to move five times in the last two years. Trying to even find a rental is near impossible. And I've got a relatively good job and make okay cash. I'm all right. It's near impossible to get a rental. There's mm. none around. That's been an ongoing issue in this community for years. There's no property. And it's definitely worsened in the past like the half last decade. 100, well, the last, last, last year. two years has been yeah. incredible here. I'm currently building a house. Getting building supplies is near impossible. Getting tradesmen's even harder. There's no gyprock available. Like you can't get it if you want it. You're having to order supplies for building like months and months and months in advance. We now have a whole situation where like we have entire communities that need to be re rebuilt. First of all, where do those people live? Because we didn't have rentals to begin with. Yeah. People don't have money. After the last two years. Mo a lot of these PSs are uninsured because the f in well, cost of insurance is, is impossible. It's so prohibitive. So you've now got people that have lost absolutely everything. There's no insurance coming. There hasn't exactly been a lot of money coming forth from the government. That anyone's seen yet anyway. And hopefully that can mm. change. If we are going to rebuild these communities, where did we get the builders from? Because there isn't any tradesmen in the area like available There's already. Not enough. There's not enough. Where do you even house those tradesmen, let alone all the people that have been displaced looking for accommodation now? They were saying in Lismore there's still at least a thousand people living in the evacuation center. You know, do they go back there after the floods in the last decade? Well, I don't think you can. They they've assessed like two out of three houses that they've assessed. I read this this morning. Two out of three houses that they've assessed in Lismore can't be rebuilt. Rebuilt. They have to demolish it. What are they going to do? And that's the other thing. I'm like, okay, waste management, land care. What are they going to do with the big one? Where's all this, this rubbish? Where's all the rubbish going to go? Where's this rubbish going? Like you'd almost have to start a completely new waste management facility to house all the amount, the insane amount of rubbish. Well, I also was under going. the understanding too that, and I would guarantee, a lot of these waste management resource management centres are also still cut off. They're They've got no road rural. access. They've been flooded. They're rural. I know Byron ones, like the Myokin ones, sweet, but it's tiny. Like it's not a big facility at all, relatively speaking, you know. Yeah. So the, the list of issues is massive and it's ongoing. I know personally, I've had a lot of people reaching out to me. I'm always really hesitant to kind of like share too much on my socials. I kind of just, I, sh I share my business stuff and that's it. And after I guess we started seeing friends doing it and seeing the impact it was having because the media messaging was coming out without trying to be overly critical, wasn't showing what, what the fuck was actually happening on the ground. We were seeing shit that was just like, I've never seen. It was unbelievable. People had no idea. They just were seeing like photos of like people cleaning mud out of their shop in Brisbane. And that was their, what? They knew one of the most incredible things out of any of this, if you want to find something that was heartwarming in it, was how strong and like together the whole community was. You form a pretty special bond with people. It's pretty cool. I think after the whole fires thing and there was such a massive pouring out of funds from the community, everyone wanting to help. Like that was just one of those like, holy shit, like 
we've never seen anything like this. Like, give, give wherever you can. I think a lot of people were pretty disenchanted at the end of that because a lot of the funding didn't seem to go to the people that needed it. Maybe didn't go out at all in some cases. I think right now people have been very hesitant to kind of actually come forward with cash. And I know on my side of things, I've had people asking me and I'm like, just hold on. We don't really even know yet. And it's great to see now that there's starting to get, like we're getting organized. We've got community efforts coming forward that's like, cutting the red tape and just going, okay, cool. Hey, let's get this money straight into the community to the people that need it in an impactful way is going to actually help and change their lives and help them rebuild. And communicate to people where it's going to. That's a huge one. Transparency. Transparency is key in these situations. I think you need to have the trust of people. I guess the final kind of things is, one, what's your plans for this week? Um, what are you, you know, I know that, we've just as I said a bit earlier we just have kind of come out of that emergency response phase um how are you guys going to ensure sustainability for your own contributions um and I guess if there's anything that you would want to be like a lasting message from the past week that you have just spent in some of the more extreme spaces um what you'd like that to be to people who are listening Eden um I was up at 3 a.m. again. I thought I was going to sleep in. That didn't happen. <laughs> Me too. Um, I I got to work. I thought I was going to try and get some stuff done. Um, I ended up just getting barraged with phone calls from people going, hey, I've seen what you've been up to. Where, what can I do for you today? Where can I go? How can I help? Um, I'm kind of just told them like I need a day to just check out kind of thing. Um, although it kind of turned out not to be that. Here um, we are. Here you are. <laughs> I've ended up basically organizing fundraising efforts. Um, I've got co- contacts with a uh, giant bikes. Um, they've got their office down in Melbourne. They basically just said, like, tell us what you need. So we're going to put together a raffle with my business, raffling a board and a bike. I know when we did the bushfires, we raised like $66,000 raffling surfboards. So wow. let's see what we can do with a few <laughs> with, uh, with a board and a bike with this. Um, Lockie's also organizing a fundraising event, so I'm throwing a board at him. And then uh, the guys at the Eltham um, Hotel um, and my friend Paul McNeil have also came forward. So I'm giving away a few different surfboards, um, see what we can do, get some money back into that fundraising effort we were talking about. Yeah. I need to probably get back to work tomorrow and then I think Wednesday, Thursday, we're going to be back down Broadwater because I think the floodwater is receding enough that we can probably start getting in there and helping clean out in those communities. Yeah. I pretty much have the exact same answer as that. <laughs> um, today, yeah, we just organised, like finalised. Uh, we're doing a fundraiser event on Thursday night at the Northern Hotel in town. Um, we've got, yeah. As Eden said, donations from him, company, surfboard companies up on the Gold Coast, companies left, front, centre, you know, like you think of it pretty much. Most most businesses from here have stepped in and pitched in like really generously. It's insane. Um, just going to finalise all that tomorrow and then, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, going to team back up with this guy and go out and get the hands dirty again. I've pretty much put all my work on hold at the moment until this is, uh, you know, in a good enough place for me personally to be able to turn my back and go back to working in my normal job again. I can't actually fathom going back to work at the moment. Um, Like I run a, just a small business so I actually can do that, you know. I don't have a high demand um, of 
building, like continuing with new buildings and stuff while there's so much repair work. Well, not even repair work, like taking apart first before the process of repairing repairing goes It just kind of feels odd to me right now to just get back to like pretending nothing happened and get back to normality. Yeah. Because things aren't normal right now. No. I had a really hard time. Like I know the surf was really good, although the water would have been absolutely putrid, literally, because after I seen the amount of cattle floating out in the sewerage and whatever else. You just yeah. But like seeing people that were like, you know, I guess we were kind of like they like more active on socials at night when we'd get back at night, we'd get some reception and like try to like post up a bit bit of what we'd gone through through the day. And seeing people posting like, you know, not far from here or even in this town, like at a fancy dinner and like how good the surf's been. And I was just like, like not not ragging on them, but like, fuck, it was pretty hard to swallow at times. Mm. Yeah. It just seemed like so distant from like the day that we'd had. I think that's that uh, presence of that rage that we've kind of felt as a collective that's come and gone in waves when it's felt helpless and we felt overexhausted. And I think that is, um, you know, we were speaking about a bit earlier outside of this room about the importance of keeping our community message strong and ensuring that what, you know, the truth of the situation is upheld yeah. beyond all else. Absolutely. I think the only reason, like, I'm relatively hesitant to talk about this stuff, but I'm happy to do it if it actually gets the messaging out of like what the what, heck was actually going, going on. on. What's really going on, yeah. Yeah. It's important. Go you guys. Go you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've just been sitting here like going. <laughs> 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 I really appreciate you guys sharing these stories with us and with you know our listeners and people that couldn't be here and you know there's so many people who want to help as you said there's so many people who have no idea uh, to be honest it's one of those things you probably don't want people to really understand what it is because it's horrific I know we have like this affinity as Australians to kind of it's that tall poppy thing I'm like oh, I'm not a hero I'm not a hero but I was doing a completely different thing to you cleaning someone's house and this woman came out and burst into tears this elderly woman and she was just like I just need you guys to know you're my Australians of the year Right. And for someone to say that over something so simple as gutting a house, yeah. I think there is a moment for everyone in our community to go, okay, I'm going to pat myself on the back a little oh, bit because course. there's no way any of us could have gotten any of this done without each other. Look, we're proud. I'm proud of my friends. Like yeah. that to me is very proud. I'm, some good I'm shit proud here. of the whole community. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a long road, but yeah. Very, very proud of everyone. And as I said, thank you so much for sharing these stories. They, uh, yeah, mean a lot to a lot of people. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Our community is in dire need of funds to home people as their homes are rebuilt and local infrastructure is revived. We are also developing mental health support strategies for our victims, volunteers and wider community at this time. If you are in a position to donate, please go to channelvoid.com.au forward slash society.